One of the reasons I love talking to metal bands and um, just bands in general, really, about um, basically just asking them before the episode if there's anything that's off limits. Um, one of the things that I find in particular with metal bands is their true passion and their willingness to make everything work as smoothly as possible. Um, it's sort of, what's the what's the expression? A never-say-die sort of whatever it takes kind of attitude and I think Charlie and Chris from Harbinger are a really good example of that um so definitely check this episode out it is quite a long episode it's probably one of the longest episodes I've ever done but in true fashion when you press record time just becomes this weird thing and it just flies by so definitely stay tuned for this one it's about an hour and 48 but towards the end of it it gets a little bit less serious um we start talking about um what do we talk about we talk about ghost stories i think it's all a bit of a blur got quite a lot on (laughs) um this is also the start of season 12 um i will not be doing the meal deal question anymore i will be replacing that with a similar question going forwards um but we completely forgot to ask um i completely forgot to ask and um it felt quite natural to not ask it um chris and charlie then sent me retrospective voice notes but i think uh let's let sleeping dogs lie or whatever the expression is i'm full of quotes in this episode as well so hope you enjoy uh if you could rate this five stars if you're listening on audio um this might go up on youtube as two indescribable independent episodes i can't talk really sorry um, yeah, it's a long episode, but I hope you enjoy, and I'm going to stop waffling, and I'm going to actually play the episode. Cheers, guys. Keep it Bedlam. Much more to come very, very soon. Goodbye. Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Absolute Bedlam Podcast, the start of season 12, which means I've been doing this for way too long. And uh, yeah, tonight we've got Harbinger. And I have been scared of saying that name out loud and saying Harbringer all of today. So I've nailed it. So we can end this meeting now and everyone's happy, all right? <laughs> so, yeah, well done. All good? Yeah, well, I'm, yeah, I'm do, doing, doing great. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. Charlie, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, all good. Thanks. And uh it's funny you it's funny you say that ben about the the band name um is that just because i don't think i said to you about getting the band name wrong did mm-hmm. i have you just seen that have you heard the rumors <laughs> about got, about it i've got ptsd because i used to be in a band called desert rose and the amount of times we were called dessert rose was absolutely insane like there were pub signs outside of pubs you know someone had actually written dessert rose and I'm just like, oh man, like, I've never got an email back from Ben and Jerry's, which is a bit disappointing. Um, but, you know, we move. And uh, yeah, I, I'm conscious of starting the episode right. So, uh, yeah. So far, so yeah, we, re- we really, we really appreciate it, man. Um, like, there is, there is kind of two ways to, to, to pronounce the name in English. Like, it's, it's Harbinger or Harbinger. And I've heard, I've heard English people or British people talk about, like, say, say it in exactly that, that way. Um, but yeah, the way we pronounce it is Harbinger. Um, and then as soon as you go out to Europe, everything's on the table. Like yeah, you, yeah. It, as, as long as they just made a, a huh sound at the start, I'm like, yeah, that's us. <laughs> we're, we're, we're good. Uh, I, I actually, I actually had a guy in, um, 
I was in Spain with one of my um, old bands, yeah. uh, but I was playing in Harbinger at the time. And uh, uh, he came, saw me on the streets of Acarunia, which is like in the northwest of uh, of Spain. Oh, and right. uh, he sort of came down the road and was just like, ah, you had a bus in Harbinga. Um, and I was like, yeah, man, what, 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 whatever you'd like. Um, yeah, that was Spanish <laughs> accent, by the way, uh, for some reason. Not too sure if that was too accurate, but... <laughs> it was like I was there, Chris. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> So, first question I always ask everyone is, how was school? And can you remember the naughtiest thing that you did at school that you're willing to disclose through Stature of Limitations on AVP? So I'll let one of you go first and then the other one can follow. Do you want to go first, Chris? Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, so school was just absolutely fine for me i was a pretty good pretty good kid in general like uh i went uh i was, I was already born in norway but I came over to england when i was uh, eight years old seven years old eight years old quite a while ago um and then did did um sort of pr primary school and secondary school in, in the midlands and it was pretty pretty non-eventful really to be honest i was just a gen generally quite a good kid and i had um sort, sort of a couple of years into it started doing music more than anything so like whenever i had pe or something it'd be a case of like mm, can i come up with an excuse to go play music go, go to the music block and they were quite good at realizing that i was never going to really do loads of sports um so the school school pretty decent as long as i sort of did the, the minimum requirement they were they were good with that it, in terms of like the naughtiest thing i did at school i don't i was never really too naughty it was yeah it's, it's it, yeah I, I was a pr pretty good kid in general um Charlie, I'll throw this one over to you now. Uh, yeah, I haven't really got too much of a story on that. Okay. It, all, it, all, it all went wrong when you turned into an adult, mate. <laughs> yeah, I make, make it up for it. Um, as soon as I sort of hit 18, uh, released into the real world, and then just, just terrible misbehaviour from then on, I suppose. You've gotten a little better as you've gotten gotten into closer to middle age. Ooh, <laughs> but no no i do i do feel like in the last few years things are kind of coming together or becoming a little bit more mature but yeah my, my 20s were pretty pretty crazy uh, in comparison to now and school years Ch charlie i don't imagine you were too naughty at, at school either to be honest but regale us a couple of stories mate <laughs> uh so i um I got brought up from the age of three till 17 on the Isle of Man. Um, so I went to school there and um, yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty easy school life really. Like my parents decided to move over there to get out of the rat race because they were commuting to London. They lived, lived in the village that I live in now, basically, which is called Cranley. And um, they were commuting to London. So they, uh, all the times, and they wanted to spend more quality time with me and my younger brother um who you know recently was born at the time and um yeah so it was pretty safe place to be brought up and school was like pretty smooth and stuff but i was never really that like i did fine in school and i got i got fine like i got good enough grades but i was never that bothered like i would always get that school report of he's doing well but we think he can do better <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which luckily I think I've always been quite strong-minded or like strong-minded and as as a kid and as a person now like that it didn't I, I always 
because as a teacher myself I'm always like careful of what I say to like younger younger students and I think that if you say that to the wrong student it can screw them up for life and I'm just lucky that I wasn't that person that kind of took it to heart too much um but maybe maybe I did subconsciously because like I just wasn't that fussed apart from music like uh, you know my my parents sort of brought me up with uh enough I guess like enough discipline to make sure that I did well in school like you know but um but yeah like I think probably the not there's quite a few times where I'd like bunk off school especially like towards the last couple of years um there's a few times where we bunked off and just like got high in like our friend's loft uh so that's probably like the naughtiest thing um got and got drunk off like uh one of my mates like uh mum and dad's uh, liquor cabinet <laughs> just uh we like we don't want to go into english after lunch so we just uh so that's probably the naughtiest thing drugs and alcohol <laughs> with the whiskey thing did you replace it with apple juice uh, that definitely happened at some one point. A lot of the time it was replacing vodka and Bacardi with water. Yeah. <laughs> That's like high IQ, like, naughtiness, do you know what I mean? It's not like I'm just going to neck it and leave an empty bottle. It's actually... You've got to cover your tracks, mate. You've got to cover yeah. your tracks. <laughs> like, they're never going to get away notice. with it. Never going to notice, are they, you know? I feel like at that point, you've kind of gone too far down the rabbit hole to, like, stop and actually like have a word of yourself because you're on a bit of a mission aren't you to to get that you know alcohol or to you know have a crazy night out unbeknownst to anyone else in the house i've got i've got a fun memory of uh i think when i was about 16 um skating to the prom on the isle of man and like me and my friends had just like filled up a load of water bottles with with like liquor from like some like somebody parents like one of my friend's parents like cabinet and we like mixed it with coke and stuff and we got we got pulled over by the police because uh the isle of man police don't have much to do so you know they they pick on like youngsters <laughs> yeah, yeah so, so they just uh you know like hooligans on skateboards let's pull them over so and then they searched our bags and uh they were like what's this then i was like coke and they and it was in a buxton buxton water bottle yeah. and they were just like oh yeah like i've heard about that the famous buxton coca-cola you know heard it's pretty good and he just opened it and he was like blimey oh my god you know uh, it just mainly bacardi in there with just a bit of coke uh but like sadly he poured it down a drain <laughs> in front of me and i was just like man <laughs> make an example out of you yeah awesome Right, well, thanks for that. Thanks for disclosing that. It's always uh, juicy knowing how people got on in the early life and how they've uh, developed into the modern day. So we're here, obviously, to promote the album, the EP, and just Heart Ninja in general, really. Um, so I've got Spotify up here. Do you want to know your monthly listeners? Because I know some people are a bit like, oh, numbers are evil. And... It's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Like, even within our band, like, I couldn't even tell you to like what um what order of magnitude is it is it like tens hundreds thousands i wouldn't have a clue and then there's other members of the band who are dead on it and if that increases they know straight away so i have i actually have no idea yeah. um Ch charlie what about you i can't remember where you sit on this you you're kind of a little you're a little bit in both camps you kind of 
don't know the exact number i don't think but well yeah what, what do you think charlie uh i do i do not the exact number but i know the ballpark because it's kind of yeah because i because of the things that i do for the band it's uh yeah, yeah. My job That's to know, you know, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. So you're sat at nearly 8k monthly listeners, which is pretty decent. So uh, congratulations, first and foremost, on that. Um, some of your songs have hit 100k streams, which is not something to be uh, mad about, and it's uh, quite nice to see the uh, whole numbers. I like a, I like a hundred. I like 200. You know, I don't like 186. It's uh, nice to have a round number. <laughs> and we're promoting a letter to anguish um which i've had a listen to and pleased to report that i really like it but it makes me drive a lot quicker than i'm supposed to so that's my official review of your band. We, are, we are not to be held to account we're not being held Absolutely. to account for your yeah. personal actions there uh, if you go a little bit harder in the gym and hurt yourself that's yeah, not yeah, on yeah. us you drive a little bit too fast that's not on us um but Thank you very much for the uh, the little review there. Super, super, That's super right. happy with it. Came out came out a little while ago, but um, but yeah, we're still very much promoting that and, and taking that round with us. It's you know it's a majority of our set at the moment, and I'm I'm still absolutely loving playing every song. I know bands probably say that all the time, but it's it's genuinely like there's not a single track on that that I don't go. Oh, do you know what I really love? Like at least at least some good sections of it. So um, yeah, perfect. Prayer of Deliverance has got a really nice bit towards the end. Um, we'll get into Doom from day one in a bit, Charlie, because that's how I met you. But there's this moment where everything kind of just culminates together and there's a sort of massive crescendo sort of build up. And it's, I'm a sucker for a big riff, you know. So, yeah, you've done a great job. So, well done. Yeah. Listen to Hate File and uh, is it Gilly? Gil? Guile. Guile. Okay, cool. This, this ain't the interview for me, guys. I'm not good at this stuff. Gilly, Gilly, <laughs> Gilly by Harbinger. That's us, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or um, Yeah, that's it. Also released something else in 2022. Is that just a single, The Prayer of Deliverance? Or is that another? Ah, so yeah, just the, yeah. the way the way that we released. Um, so the, the EP or mini album is kind of more like a collection yeah. um, of singles. Um, which started with hate file that was released uh, December 2021 and um we use something called a waterfall release which means that like you every new single you connect the next one to the previous one mm. and it, and it builds up so that's why there's like multiple uh releases with the same tracks on on our spotify yeah yeah cool cool so how long have you been a band let's start from the beginning um so chris probably eat, uh, better at talking about this because uh it goes back yeah. quite a lot doesn't it yeah so so i mean officially harbinger started in in towards the end of the summer in 2015 so harbinger is, as an entity has been a, a a thing since then um charlie came in not too much longer after that at the start of 2016 i think it was when when you came in yeah. um so we'd, we'd already um done a bit of writing um from, from from that 2015 point onwards we did, did a bit of writing played a few shows uh charlie actually came along to one of our shows and uh um saw that we were uh we had some guitar parts on the backing tracks let's say uh and uh, offered his services i'm not sure exactly how it went down but uh charlie turned up to the studio to record paroxysm i was like who the hell's this guy and they're like 
this is Charlie. He's come to record. Wicked, awesome. It wasn't quite as um as as um yeah disparate as that, but um yeah yeah. Charlie just basically came in, did a little bit of writing on that as well whilst we were in the studio. Um, absolutely smashed the recording. Um, and I don't think Charlie was properly in the band while we were doing that recording, but he even offered to pay a share of the recording costs. And I was like, do you know what? This guy's all right, you know. Um, <laughs> you know he, he came into the band there, but um, so yeah, we've had we've had um, so that that was the original lineup. Added Charlie, um, and then um, before the pandemic, our our old singer Tom um, left the band. He wanted to pursue some different stuff, um, and we are still really well. We're also really good, really good friends with him. He whenever we're playing a show and he's around, he hops up on stage, does some bits with. With with Dylan, so Dylan's our, our our new singer, but he's been in the band since this. We, were, we wanted to drop all this stuff at the start of the pan, just before the pandemic, and then the pandemic hit, and nobody was really releasing anything, and nothing was happening, and it was like, well, we're not really going to announce him now. There's not, not really any point. Nothing's going on. Um. So yeah. So the, it, we had our original lineup 2015. Add Charlie, um, Tom uh, dropped out our, our old singer, and then we got Dylan in. Um. But be, way way before that most of the, the 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 most of most of harbinger have been friends for a while so a lot of us used to play in a in a band called immerse quite quite a, quite a few years ago um there's a there's a newer band called immerse who are absolutely brilliant but it's not the same band and we we, we regularly get their notifications so um yeah if, if, if immerse are listening we're sorry that people misappropriate you for for us but um yeah we've been a band band for quite uh been in bands together for quite a while and immerse was was one that ran back to must be about 2013 2014 2012 13 something like that um quite a while and um uh, throughout that time we had um a, a guitarist called matt who plays in a band called wars now really really good you check them out um and then um uh, connor sweeney who was playing in loads for for quite a while he, he he was in the band and we were all this sort of big friendship group um put a load of stuff out with immerse and then we we Connor actually left Immerse and we decided to just continue writing and the stuff we were writing didn't sound anything like what Connor used to write with us so we were like I think the the old rebrands on the card on the cards so um yeah we were just like try try try, try and think of the name little rebrand still the same people who were in the in Immerse at the end um and that's that's how we've got here so yeah it was kind of a little bit arse about face but um that's how how we are here all together yeah so out of the ashes of doing from day one, I remember seeing you guys quite a lot at Weymouth. Um, yeah. You know, I was a promoter and all that sort of stuff back then. Um, I remember meeting your bassist, whose name I'm not even going to try and pronounce. Can you please do it for me? Because I am useless. Ivion. Ivion Sweet. I can't believe he's getting a shout out on a podcast. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> he's gonna love this. <laughs> he's he's a really good friend of ours. Um, yeah, he prete- he pretends to hate us on the internet, um, yeah, but he definitely yeah. really really loves us. It's uh it's all it's all in jest. On Facebook, he is literally the most formal person I've ever interacted with on the internet because he puts like full stops at the end of like everything he puts on Facebook. I've asked him several times if he can come on here and talk bass for two hours, and he's like, "Yeah, man, I'll do it," but I'm just like busy at the moment. And it's because he's really old, and and back in the 1800s when he went to school, they all had to do that with like actual handwriting. <laughs> and um, nice. yeah, that that that's just a symptom of that. Unfortunately, it's just um, it's an age thing. I think hasn't really got to grips with you know modern lingo and things. 
I was going to joke and call him Leafeon from Pokemon, but I thought that's a probably... It's either it's going to land or it's not, but I've already said it now, so take it or leave it, people. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> out of the ashes of that. So, obviously, you had um, Sean, who went on to play for Creeper. Yeah. Absolutely smashing it. Um, do you still speak to the rest of DFDO? Is that right? Yeah, or Dufdo, as we used to oh. call ourselves. Um, yeah, it, um, so yeah, all of Harbinger are really good friends of Ivion, um, and, and also his band, Archeon. That's it. Really sick. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, I keep on in touch with all of them. Um, so Sean, still see him where we, we're both quite busy and clashing, like clashing schedules and stuff. So I don't get, don't get to see him that often, but yeah, we're always trying to, like I often try and get a bunch of us together at a pub like every so often and uh, we all see each other because we're also um, like the friendship group that lived in Guildford that was connected to, to Dufto. Um, one of our friends in that, Hannah, is Hannah from Creeper as well. Yeah. Just a, a weird, weird sort of coincidence that, well, it's not a coincidence, but it seemed it definitely can seem like that like yeah. how it's all ended up um yeah uh, the other charlie is i still keep in touch with him he lives in like the middle of nowhere in wales or something you know doing his, doing his thing <laughs> that's that's where he needs to be kept for his own safety i think <laughs> that, 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 that guy's he's an interesting guy he needs to be kept at arm's length at all times you welcome him in have a little bit of fun cool 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 and then you go back to your cabin in the woods mate and just look after yourself that's that's how i feel about him <laughs> he's a great guy though yeah, yeah no it's, it's he's funny and um yeah the the two the two guys that drummed for doom for day one uh J jamie elsie um he's he lives in london and sees ivy on loads and like we we meet up with him quite often and uh then our other drummer uh who took over from jamie dan um yeah I saw him recently, like during our headline tour last September, uh, he came to see us at the Leicester show, which was like the first time I've seen him in, I don't know, like probably since 2015, really, which was, which was when Doom Day One had their last show in Guildford on uh, 2015. And then that was kind of it. And I actually thought that maybe that's it band wise. Cause I put so much time and money into the band and, it's kind of like, you know, have I kind of done that? Um, and it was funny enough, like when I eventually got to see Harbinger play a gig, because Ben, Ben, our other guitarist, kept on inviting me down to come and see them, uh, see Harbinger in London. And uh, I couldn't make the first couple of times. And I think I missed missed you guys twice as well <laughs> playing. So eventually I saw it. And then, uh, yeah, actually like hearing Harbinger just completely st stoked the fire again, like, ignited it not stoked ignited it <laughs> like <laughs> oh, yeah. and um yeah just got inspired from it so i said to ben straight away i was like but he it was funny because like I, I have a fond memory of saying like have you thought about getting another guitarist and he just went why like so <laughs> raising his eyebrows <laughs> no, he knew exactly what i was uh, what i was thinking and like i knew exactly he was just like you're in <laughs> like he was like you're in but i need to convince the other guys first yeah, yeah yeah love it so this is very generic but it's a question that i've got to ask every band that i've ever had on is 
can you think of like your top three, top five kind of influences in terms of genre, style, execution of Harbinger's music? Do you mean do you mean personally or as as a band then? I'd say personally. Yeah, obviously if you know other people in the band that aren't on this Zoom call have opinions, then feel free to share them in their absence. Yeah, Charlie, do you want to do you want to go with this sort of more more generally for Harbinger and then talk about yeah, your so, personal stuff? Yeah, so I think generally um, as a whole band, like there's probably elements of all 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 subgenres of metal. So you know, like the, we've definitely got like influences from thrash. Like our drummer, our drummer is like loves Metallica. Um, and I'd say that actually being in a band with Joel has kind of reinvigorated that for me. Like, kind of, I kind of found a love again for Metallica. Uh, you can't ignore it when he's around because yeah. everything will be a reference to a Metallica song. And if you're not clued up, you're just not in that conversation. <laughs> it's, I, I think that I was uh, like, I'm, I, maybe we had like similar, similar pathways to like metal and then we branched out differently. Um, but he, he loves like, he also loves Slipknot um, and his favorite band's Fear Factory. Nice. Um, which is which is kind of funny. Like I think he says it himself. Like people don't probably won't realize that from the style of drumming he does. Um, but yeah, they're they're sort of like the things that pop up for Joel, and and you know that that gives us the fresh metal elements. But then also you know drawing influences from like more modern thrash bands like Silosis, um, like melodic, like there's definitely like melodic death metal influences like the Black Dahlia Murder, especially for me, myself, like I would say that the main sort of three inspirations for metal anyway, for, for the kind of stuff that I bring to Harbinger is definitely like the Black Dahlia Murder, um, probably like Gojira, hmm. and then uh, Between the Buried and Me, um you know even though like harbinger's not like i often don't feel like the stuff i write that goes into harbinger is like that's like has the same prog elements that i would push into doing from day one wow. um but yeah like definitely between about me influence like the way i play guitar massively um so they're probably like my main three yeah man um yeah, what 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 do you reckon, Chris? Like any, there's obviously loads loads of influences that that create Harbinger. It's uh, we we've all got such a broad range of um, you know favorite styles and stuff like that. So yeah, that that's exactly it. Like we, we, <laughs> we use that use the term melting pot, although that kind of gets overused. But we're we're from quite. Although we're the, the common thing is metal. We, we, I come from more of sort of like a hardcore background. Um, our, our drummer Joel, even though he was sort of brought up on thrash, he played in hardcore. Um, I was I was kind of brought up on sort of um, you know, sort of trivium, bullet for my Valentine, that sort of stuff, where metal and you know emo type stuff would would kind of get thrown together, um, and, and and that kind of wave. But like obviously with that came your sort of My Chemical Romance and stuff like that. That's that that's what I was brought up on but then i diverted sort of into into hardcore when ghost fest was popping off they you'd bring together like a load of hardcore bands like uk hardcore stuff and then they bring a whole load of metal bands and metalcore and deathcore and bring some over from the states and and that's what's re what really got me into um 
that, that really got me into wanting to wanting to be in a band it's going to things like ghost fest and you know it's, it's, it's seeing all these sort of international artists but along with the sort of hardcore stuff that i was listening to at the time um but yeah but i mean my my favorite bands coheed and cambria which i don't think you can hear very much of in in harbinger but like a lot of the bass lines are written with the same sort of things in mind as as, as coheed like um there's in prayer and deliverance there's um the baseline that goes behind the solo like if you took that in isolation you'd be like that 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 sounds a lot like coheed because you're kind of like flying all across the across the fretboard but then you've got this grounded bass um uh in there kind of pulsing away and um i'm also like hugely influenced by by quite a lot of pop music and um and indie music as well so it yeah we're kind of a little bit of everything but i think that that explains why harbinger can go from a thrash sounding thing into a deathcore sounding thing into a heavy metal sounded thing um beat down you know all, all, all these genres can come together and as long as we create something that's catchy it's got some sort of riffs to it and you can bop your head to it like that that's what they're the fundamental things of what it is to to for, for harbinger's music that that that's that's it it's more of a theme than a than a specific influence yeah, I definitely sense the Gorgira. I, I love Gorgira. They're fantastic. Um, I've seen them several times. And there's that thing that they do with a pick scrape. And oh, every yeah. time I hear that, I'm like, that's Gorgira. <laughs> 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 like, yeah, they actually invented that. They invent, invented that in the in the late 90s in France. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cinemuseums. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I love that sound. Uh, uh, yeah, I love it. I think, like, I've got a few of them in, in like, Difto songs but yeah definitely um sometimes like if if i'm like writing a, a, a certain vibe of riff like sometimes i just like it just needs this like like this pick pick scrape harmonic thing whatever you yeah. want to call it mm. um yeah i love that yeah, yeah yeah nice so random questions one of them's a bit deep one of them is motivation and going out there and actually doing shit because i used to know a ton of bedroom guitarists that would be sick they'd play like every trivium song note for note you know they'd listen to a song twice and they'd be able to just bash it out uh one of my favorite bands in me one of my friends gary just learned all of their songs by ear and i'm just like how the hell have you managed that um but he was very hesitant to join bands and very hesitant to get his music out there so I want to know for you guys, what kind of pushed you to get into a rehearsal room together? And slightly deeper than that, what keeps you motivated and what keeps you going? And, like, you know, you've mentioned earlier playing tours in Europe, um, you know, opening for bands that, I don't know, say you get a gig opening for Gorgira or Black Dali, Yard Murder, whatever they're called. Um, you know, what, what do you think is your answer to those? I'll, t I'll, t I'll take the first bit about like what got us into a room together and it, it all goes back to immerse that we met that i mentioned before it was essentially connor connor sweeney who used to be, be in loathe he had a whole ep's worth of stuff written i brought my mate matt from school who's now in wars um i was like this guy connor he's got this ep written it's gonna be a pretty easy job like most of the work's already done we haven't got to do any writing should we should we hop in hop in on this he wants to take it to be in a live band um and then you kind of just get the you get the itch don't you like it's you just want to you play in front of five people you play in front of 10 and then it goes up and up and up and then sometimes you play in front of five people again and it shoots you down but like yeah you, you've always got the I, I think for me it's all about the 
the opportunity and potential for for for, for growth and to do bigger and better things like you're never going to reach it like if we end up you know playing like like main stage at bloodstock or something like that you know there's always the next goal there's always the next goal but i'm always motivated by possibility and opportunity um yeah yeah charlie do you want to answer the the next bit about kind of what 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 keeps you going yeah so i think to get a bit deep deeper into it like it's you know uh like motivation and drive is like uh it it's a it's an, it's an, I find it is really interesting topic to discuss. And, um, I think that where a lot of people go wrong is they, with motivation and drive is that they expect it to come to them. And, uh, you actually have to like create motivation and like, you know, you, and you have to, and the motivation helps the drive, you know, and, and so on or, or vice versa um so you know it's not like and i'm not saying it's a, it's an easy thing either um because there's definitely there's definitely days where like motivation is lacking and and the drive to do things but um i think over the years that i've it, it's something that you can train it yourself into um like anything it's just practice like you got to create you got to create the right habits um so that when you know that you're you're not when you know that your brain's telling you like oh no i don't want to do this or like i don't have any drive to do this or motivation that you you have ways to get yourself out of that and um a, a big thing for me is my work like work ethic which is also something that that has been is something that I've had to train myself and learn, learn how to do, um, you know, over the years, I've created a habit of, if I feel, if I feel unmotivated, then I've just got to like do something. So, and, and, you know, do something towards that positive outcome. Um, you know, I've been in, I've been in bands now since like, the since i picked up a guitar basically like from from like the age of 13 was where i started and and very quickly i created like a little band with my my schoolmates and um so i think over that over that time because like when you're younger the passion like really fuels it so you can just like go straight in so you know like um there's almost like the motivation is like nothing is not even thought about because the passion is there and i guess passion fuels motivation and um you know so just just through like having that drive as as a youngster and then uh, playing in quite a few bands meant that like as soon as so so like when i left the isle of man i, I left behind uh, another metal band I was in that was called the black monday suicides uh, you can actually like I put their music on spot uh, our music on Spotify if uh, if anybody wants to check it out. Um, but yeah, just um, that was kind of like we play shows almost like every weekend over there because like the scene in the Isle of Man was actually pretty good, like the the, the metal and rock scene. Uh, they would like or there would be like a few different venues that would always put on shows and blah blah blah. So you know it it was quite sad like when I left to go to acm like over here and um as soon as i got there i was like i'm gonna get myself in another meth band if not i'm gonna create it yeah. so it was kind of like that passion was still still 
like fueling everything. But um, I think like towards the end of my degree and like a lot of the like work that I put in with Doom Day One, I realized that it's, you know, oh, there's this thing called burnout and it doesn't matter how, no, it doesn't matter how much passion you have, like the burnout usually wins and you're just like, no, I don't want to do this and stuff like that. And that was kind of why I thought like after Doom Day One, I'll probably, it would be years before I joined another band if I did decide to join another band. Um, so yeah, I just kind of, I like, I find that the thing that motivates me these days is that is continuing to do the, the habits that re that reinforce like the positive outcome. Um, so, you know, like if I'm feeling tired and unmotivated, it's just like, okay, you know, it might take me a bit longer to start something, but let's just start something and see what happens. And then usually you go into autopilot, at least I do, I go into autopilot and then things happen. Um, but yeah, I'm also, uh, I'm really bad at like cutting things off. So, so that's like something I'm trying to work on. Like by, by that, it's like, all right, I'm doing a task, but I now need to do this. I'll like carry on working on that task until it's finished. And then I'll get stressed because I didn't do the thing that I was meant to afterwards. Whereas really I should just stop that task, pick it up the next day and make sure I get the next thing done. Um, but that, that's another thing. <laughs> so on that, this is a bit psychological, but I think, Charlie, you're probably like that in all aspects of your life. Because I fully believe that how you do one thing is how you do everything. So you'll approach that level of completion and then moving on to the next thing in everything that you do. Because it's fucking hard to just do that in one avenue of life. So do you agree with that or do you think I'm just talking out of my butt? Uh, yeah, like I definitely, I like to get things completed and done. Um, I'm definitely like a, a doer. Um, and But like I do think that you can... Because sometimes like completing a task there and then in that moment is not necessarily the, it, I guess it's prioritization. Like, you know, you're still going to get it completed just on another day. I think the thing is with me is like, I'm very, I'm a bit of a workaholic. So like I, I give myself a lot of workload kind of because like I'm passionate about the whole business side of like running my own guitar tuition and running the band, like band and stuff. So it's uh i get so like like i get so invested in it and i'm like doing things and getting stuff done that i forget that actually there's a bigger picture and that you know like stuff doesn't have to just be done all like doesn't have to be done right in this moment like sometimes things can be put on a back burner for the next day or the next week um whilst you get the next thing done that actually does need to be done there yes yeah, that prioritization bit isn't it like sometimes <laughs> to, to quote peep show you have to stick it on the later base um <laughs> so that um so that you can deal with the things that are like the most pressing and i think that, that that's, that's that's kind of right what, what you were saying like charlie you're, you're very much an end-to-end -end person like you've got to got, got to finish thing off you very much like complete a finisher and then then you can kind of put that to bed and i think that's how me and you can complement each other quite well is because I'm not a complete finisher at all. I will have like a to-do list that's absolutely enormous, um, but it's loads of cool stuff that I've started, and I've I've been working on the on the other side of it. It's about finishing stuff off 
when they need to, when it needs to be finished rather than just coming up with tons and tons and tons of ideas or, or things that need to be done. I'm good at kicking things off. I'm good at like initiating that process, but then tying it off at the end and like getting that out the door. That's something that I, I personally str- struggle quite a lot with. And as, as, as you said, Ben, that's, that's in my work life and in my band life and generally just with, with everything that I do. Awesome. Yeah. So there's a really profound video that I found on YouTube when I just finished playing music. I still sort of play bass now and then, but it's just sort of plucking along to stuff and it's not necessarily for a reason. Same here, man. <laughs> yeah. So there's a guy called Bumblefoot who used to be the guitarist of Guns N' Roses and he had a guitar clinic and he talks about getting stuff out. Just get it in, you know, in your ears, get it out of your head, get it onto the record, just release it to the world and then it's not yours anymore which a lot of people have issues with um but he talks about like how do you know when an album's finished and it's fantastic i'll send you it on instagram after this but the way he describes it is so like he breaks it down in such a way that it almost makes you feel a bit stupid for like wanting to hold on to the content and the, the product and the music and but yeah, I just, I just I think he's fantastic. I love a good guitar clinic. I'm a bit of a sucker for a... They fill that podcast with a bit of guitar playing in. So. Yeah. That, that, that's really interesting, though. So when we did, when we wrote A Letter to Anguish, like, I, I don't know if I asked you, like, how many songs did we have that we whittled down to those six? Like, I don't think anybody would ever get it right. We, we had 23 songs, I think it was that we were working on at the same time with this bank of 23 songs. And we were like, we're only going to release ones that we all were all really, really, really happy with. There's no point in releasing something that we're not all super, super happy with. So that that's the other side of the coin. Like, like you can exercise restraint. You have this big bank of work that you've been working on, but, you know, really distilling that down into what reflects us the best, you know, what we have most passion for, what we, you know, yeah, what, what we, we genuinely think, is the best reflection of our image at the time and those 23 songs were down to six at the end i mean it was down to five and then about two weeks before going to record it charlie was like what about this riff and then that turned out to be guile which was probably our our biggest single on the record um and that was from after distilling all those 23 songs down to five charlie came along and was just like this is this is the thing I've worked on, and we, it just absolutely bopped. So yeah. that, that's that's right, isn't it, Charlie? That was yeah, get, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I've I've listened to a couple of podcasts with Bumblefoot on, and like, um, yeah, it's, it, he's such a smart guy and an amazing musician. And um, I I think like that idea, it it goes into a lot of aspects of the like, the like, for example, you know part of getting it out can just be like demoing the idea and that's out and it's there. And if it doesn't get used, that's fine. At least you got it out. But then you, I think that technique is really valuable for applying it to like, you know, what we did with the, the actual album and being like, right, we need, we need a product. We need six songs, five songs or whatever. So like, we need to get, do this. And I think that's probably like where, you know, also the, the whole of like, completing a project and ending uh, as starting it, you know, also helps with like me and Mil- mine and Chris's to and fro. But I, I keep on almost calling him Milky because that's what we call him. That's his nickname, Milky. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so um, yeah, like I think, I think that's such a good concept and it's something that like I, I've heard 
again from Bumblefoot recently that I would like to sort of talk more to the rest of the band about on how like you know I, I guess it goes hand in hand with like sometimes you need to cut off a project it's like this needs to be the end of a project otherwise we're never going to release it it's going to be here forever like, it's going to be sat here waiting forever like because like you know once it's our you know with the with the latest release a letter to anguish like some of us were you know like i think i think like dylan being this this record being dylan's first release with us and kind of like the first release that he's ever done where it's like actually he gets to like compose and write and put his stamp on it um he i think he really wanted to make sure like it was the best that he could ever do which isn't a bad thing at all but you know like i think it was a bit of a learning curve for him to realize that okay i do need we do need to just finish this otherwise it's never going to get out would, would you agree like chris like you know it was kind of dylan was quite a perfectionist because he he wanted it to be perfect um because it was like his first release of the band yeah he's he's putting he's putting himself out there publicly for the for the first time you know he's been in been in other bands previously but that was more sort of written for him and then he'd do vocals but 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 yeah, I, th I think that's that, you've, you've hit the hit the nail on the head. So he wanted to, to iterate and iterate and iterate and work on it and work on it and work on it. And think about it from the the fans' perspective. All the times you're thinking about stuff, it looks like you're not doing anything. And it's only when you're actually releasing stuff that it it feels like you've got that momentum. So if you're just if you've just got those thoughts in your head or you've got some demos that aren't aren't out there, you're you, you might as well be a dead band if you're not <laughs> you're like there's, there's there's nothing there's nothing ready to it um so yeah it's, it's super important to i think that's something we want to do moving forward is like when we've got something good enough we, we we tie a bow around it happy days that one's ready for release move on to the next one and on to the next one and then how we package that up in terms of like singles or albums or or whatever we, we can decide that at the later date but getting things to that complete stage for public release. I think that's something that we really need to, that we're going to work on for sure. So your opinion on the Slipknot um, article recently that they're only going to release singles going forwards. I don't know if you've seen that, but apparently people listen to like seven out of 10 songs on an album and then they switch over. And I 100% blame Spotify. And just the way that everything immediately changes the second you press F5 on your keyboard. Um, a bit of a random quote, but I'm full of quotes tonight, apparently. It's uh, sponsored by Prime Energy, so it's, it's all coming to me. Um, so there's a, what's it called? There's a game um, called Getting Over It with Bennett Foddy. And it's basically a guy in a pot and he's got a sledgehammer and he's got to climb this massive mountain. And it's known as a rage quit game. And it's really, really hard. Um, there's people on Twitch that I've seen like smash their entire like setups trying to play it. Which <laughs> is quite fun to watch. Probably not fun to pay. Um, so there's a quote in it which was quite profound to me, which was everything's fresh for five seconds. So what do you think of that? And what do you think of the whole single methodology that's that not seem to be pioneering? I, I think I think me and Charlie have slightly different views on this. Like I'm I'm very much in 
in I mean, I mean, Charlie's very much in camp. Let's do a load of research, sort of thing, and 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 work work on work on things together. I I have a really fleeting sort of um, uh, take on on music nowadays. I used to be a person who'd listen to a full album all the way through. I'd get it on CD, you know, later get it on vinyl. Uh, I used to, you know, I didn't used to have Bluetooth in my car at that at the time, so I'd used to listen to full albums and they'd be in the car. But you're you're right in what you're saying about about Spotify is is lending itself to to how people consume their mu their music and like it's, it becomes symbiotic like that affects spotify so spotify affects the the music and, and backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards and you've got to be sensitive to changes in in time otherwise you you, you get left behind and i mean if you, if you if you look at the, the raw facts of our our spotify you look at compelled to suffer that came out i can't remember 2018 2019 2019 can't remember what was it charlie when did it come out yeah, 20, 2019 yeah 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 like the last three tracks on that have substantially lower numbers and are substantially less well known than than the other tracks on the record and one of those last few tracks is, is actually my favorite one that we did on the whole record but the way that people consume the media the way that people can consume the music is is just you know that's why those waterfall campaigns that that charlie was talking about are are the most optimal way to get content in front of people because when you um when you release when you release something and then you release something a few weeks later and then something a few weeks later you're constantly fresh in their mind so you're, you're constantly there to to consume the media through spotify or whatever um or whatever you um like pl platform you choose yeah it's um it's just symptomatic of how people consume stuff like you look at tiktok as well that's quite fleeting everything to do with media although media seems to be bigger than ever is more fleeting than ever and it's just as easy to enjoy something as it is to swipe it away so you've got to really catch people's attention and the way to the way i think bands are doing that is by just getting a little bit of content out see how it goes next bit of content next bit of content like and but taking that a bit further the idea of an album as a complete work i I, I get why that used to be the way that people released it because you'd be releasing less frequently. It's, 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 it's harder to, it's harder to, sorry, it's easier nowadays to just release music. But back in the day, you would have to, you know, it'd be quite the process to get something pressed and then do the marketing campaign. You'd have a big long lead time on it, but because it's so easy to get music out there now, I think that's the way that bands are tending toward, towards doing it. And I personally, I personally, as I said, I have quite a fleeting um, relationship with music now. I don't listen to full albums. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm quite a busy person in my work life and I don't consume music as much as I used to. So having like a, a digest of, of what music I like or, you know, you discover weekly, that's that's how I consume music now. And I think the vast majority of people consume it in that way. And it's down to the bands themselves to say, do I want to conform with that idea or do I want to go against the grain and, and release and release do 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 more of a traditional campaign with a with a full album release. It's funny how that that old school thing is now the going against the is the thing that's going against the grain. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. Charlie's probably got a, a different idea about this. So yeah, like I I agree with agree with all of it basically. But the you know like I like so I was going to say so like I wouldn't necessarily blame Spotify alone for it. Like I I'm not I'm not the kind the kind of person that likes to blame certain platforms for stuff like you know you can see you we've seen like since the early well since facebook started all the way to now that you know just like all the change every time there was a change people got so up on their high horse and complained about stuff and it's just like 
it's just like it's a business that's going to change it's like get get with it or you know go home you know really so it's like you know if you don't get with it you're going to be left alone so stop complaining and actually learn how to 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 use it to your your advantage and um see there's like i i do believe like you could write a lot of cons on a piece like you could write down all the cons about spotify but there's a lot of pros as well that like spotify has brought to the music industry as well and like how and the fact that it's it's easy to to be able to get your music out there and stuff and 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 get it consumed um but yeah like i i do, I do like i think slipknot are sort of going going to what is like the kind of modern trends these days of you know leasing single by single to make sure that you know they're they're always in people's minds and stuff like that and um but yeah it could the thing is as well like i I'd, i like to think a bit deeper sometimes about these things and you know it could also be that maybe that's just like not only is it the trend but it's also really good for their like personal lives like just having to work on like one project in like bite-sized chunks a bit more rather than sort of i don't know you could you could see it two ways like maybe building up for one big project and then doing loads of touring around a whole album might be and then having some downtime might be better but you know all of those guys have like families and stuff like that now so it's it's kind of like you know maybe maybe doing these like more bite-sized singles is is the way to go for them but it's definitely it's definitely the trend it's uh you know if you want to especially organically if you want to if you want to be able to grow organically then like releasing content uh little but often is is obviously the way to go um i think that i just i'm a person that loves listening from start to finish um like listening to albums start to finish but i i do i do listen to my like release radar and my discover weekly as well but um you know like i i but i think i'm the exception i'm not like the the majority like there's a lot of there's probably there's a lot of people out there like me that do enjoy listening to albums in full still but you know there's way more people that consume media how like in bite-sized chunks and often and you, and you don't you don't have to choose one or the other that i think that's another thing that we're that, that we're saying here it's like you can release all those singles and then you know for your collectors like kleptomania seems to be bigger than ever like you know you've, you've got you sort of like you've got pokemon cards you've got football stickers like big collections of stuff like physical stuff is 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 from what i can see bit bigger than ever you're always going to have your kleptomaniacs who are going to buy every variant of a vinyl record every version of you know hard media that co- that comes out but yeah it doesn't mean doesn't mean to say that you can't just take all those singles put them together in a collection six tracks it's called a letter to anguish happy days thank you very much because like a big thing that makes like bands money is the merchandise so you know like or not necessarily makes money but keeps bands going you know keeps them afloat yeah is the yeah so you know i i think that there's definitely like opportunity in doing the single thing but then having a package at the end that you can sell physically to to because there's like you know physical music sales are like up higher than they have been in years and years and years like people are buying vinyl people are buying cd you know some people are buying tapes but i think it's not it's nowhere near as big as like vinyl and cd but you know people want them as like even if they don't have a cd player they just want to collect them 
me, me and Sean Smith said this exact thing where um, he had a mini disc player in his car and he then got another car and he had no way of listening to a mini disc. And I said, like, you know, there's bands that are now releasing tapes and it's a cool little memento, but that's kind of all it is. And I said to him, you know, if I wanted to actually listen to a tape, I'd probably have to go on the Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> I like I like I like I've got a vinyl collection. I have the I, I like having the artwork in big. That's that yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. thing. Um but like if we're if we're talking about like how you can help bands out, yeah. Like I just just Googled it a little bit there. Like if we sell a t shirt, that's the same as like two thousand in terms of profit for us, that's like two thousand Spotify streams or three thousand Spotify streams or something like that. It's like if you want to really help bands out and you actually like what they do, buy into their business their merchandise inside because there, there's nothing that comes close to profits from a t-shirt profits from the hard media as long as it comes direct from the band but like a, a lot of a lot of bands use distribution companies you know they take a cut a lot of bands are on deals with record labels they take a little cut you know you've got management fees they take a little cut venue fees for merchandise especially out in the states you know they're taking 15 percent off some people just to sell your own merchandise at their at their venue um but we're we're like self-managed like we do, we do mo- like pretty much everything ourselves bar a couple of people who we who we hire in for very specific things so yeah if you really really want to help a band out merchandise hard media and um you'll help them out e- you'll help the band out even more if they're unsigned um so yeah it's really important at like smaller shows or local shows like that band who's playing their fifth or sixth show if you buy a t-shirt you, you you've basically just gifted them a couple of thousand streams in terms of in terms of profit yeah i think i think that sorry just like last thing about spotify the good the way i look at platforms like that is that it's a marketing platform it's like a free for band like obviously you pay you pay a digital distributor to distribute your music to the streaming services which costs nothing basically you know you'll make it back eventually yeah um but like it's just free marketing especially with like the 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 technology that spotify has with the algorithms and stuff if you if you get popular enough and there's ways that you can kind of like like people people that try to get you sign up to courses and stuff will call it hacking the algorithm but it's basically just like like because a lot of what we do is like run facebook and instagram ads for our music videos and our music which then gets people to convert to listen to the music on spotify and streaming platforms and watch the video on youtube and that's a good way to drive people that have never heard of your music or people that have heard of you before to, to listen to your music, which then because you're getting that traffic to listen to music, then that's, that ignites the algorithm, which then pops you out to like release radar, discover weekly people's daily mixes and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, it's a, it, it's a marketing platform in a, in a way for bands. And that's kind of like the way I look at it. And, you know, if, if something changes, like, you know, TikTok came out, then it's kind of like, you know, a lot of us were kind of at first were we've got a TikTok, but we're still very much learning. Like I'm, I'm the one that kind of runs it, but like we're very much experimenting on what works because like, you know, it's a, a completely new learning curve, but it might be a worthy investment if then something else comes along and we weren't quick enough to learn, then okay, that's made. I've kind of learned now that when there's a new platform that's kicking off, start learning about it early, get in there, create an account, start learning how to use it early. Cause maybe we're a bit too late 
I don't think we are too late for the TikTok thing, but we just need to learn what works for us. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very much a consumer of TikTok. Like, I absolutely love it. I love how I can go on to there and get you know forty, about half an hour, forty minutes of non-stop content tailored exactly to what I'm going to be interested in. There's very, very, very seldom I I scroll and don't enjoy the next thing that comes up. It knows me really well because I put the time, invested the time and effort into it so that it can learn what I like the most. Um, but in terms of like being a content creator on there, um, like the the stuff that flies really, really well on, on, on TikTok is very much bespoke user-created content rather than like for bands, it's not the sliced up music videos, which we're, that's what we're kind of trying at the moment. But if uh, I suppose if I had a little bit more more time and a little bit more up here about how to use it, we'd create bespoke content just for that platform and that i think that's where it really takes off and that's what really pops people off on there but it doesn't mean to say that cutting up your music video getting somebody who's like an influencer or who's quite big to use that as a sound on tiktok that that can make you blow up as well like that can that can have that virality too um but i think it's a bit less accessible my hot take on tiktok jesus christ that was a sentence um (laughs) is the jared dines Rob Scallon, uh, raised by owls method of memeing the hell out of your band, and Charlie putting up a five guitarists hate losing their picks, being asked if they can play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, and it creates this kind of byproduct of the band, because essentially what you want to do, you want to funnel people in and enjoy the music as well. If that makes sense rather than it just being snippets of your because you've got some insane like guitar playthrough bass playthrough youtube videos um i think if someone was to randomly come across that they might have a heart attack because you're quite loud i'm not <laughs> afraid to you know throw that at you and hope that you don't leave the zoom call um it might give them a heart attack um, so yeah, it's just a suggestion. Obviously, you don't have to do it, but I think that seems to work. Where you've got five different things coming into the brand, as people like to call themselves nowadays. But yeah, there we go. More like I think organic, like content seems to work a lot better. Like when, like especially I've been experimenting with uh, YouTube Shorts, like on my own guitar channel, and I put up. Like I also, I you know what I what I do is like I put the same stuff on the same different platforms and see, like I'm often like looking at like oh, oh it really did well there what you know just research basically, but you know, um, based content you know, to you you're actually putting things up but like on um you, YouTube Shorts I just put like a up a riff that like I just wrote over some drums that Joel wrote, and within. 24 hours i got over a thousand views and like i was like what like (laughs) that's crazy so i was like okay clearly i need to post more like iphone like iphone camera videos of me just playing guitar yeah um so yeah like it's i and i think that's probably how tiktok works in some ways like people like to I think either subconsciously or consciously they like if it's a camera phone and it's the the camera audio 
I've, I've heard... it's, that, it's that level of authenticity, isn't it? It makes you... Yeah. That's why Be Real and, and platforms like that have really kicked off recently because you... Well, you can, but you t for all intents and purposes, you can't fake a Be Real because it comes up on your phone. It says, three, two, one, take a photo. Where are you right now? Where are you right now? That's the authenticity. That's the important thing for, for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so sorry to, to to butt in there, but yeah, I think it's it's that level of authenticity, and that authenticity doesn't have to come from you know, um, from bespoke content where you're showing your personality as such. Like it can just be a guitar video, it can just be something quite quite simple, but it needs to feel real yeah. rather than manufactured. I've and heard a lot of I've heard a lot of like, you know, gu guitarists um, talk about this in podcasts and drummers like the they'll put up a clip like which is like really pristinely shot and it's like recorded audio and the, these are people that already have a massive following and like it it will do well because they have a massive following but then when they put up a clip of just their camera audio and and because you know like my my iphone has a 4k camera on it like it's ridiculous and the iphone mics are crazy as well so like they just put up like this raw content but because you can tell that they're getting the room audio especially with like guitars you can hear the sound of the strings acoustically as well mm. like i like that sound as well so and and suddenly they go like so much more viral than actual proper recorded um so you know it's just it, it, there is definitely something about yeah the authenticity of 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 content that people just um it just uh hits people differently it helps it fly and and just one one thing one, one final thing on this for, for for me i think we've tiptoed around it and we've not mentioned it is is live shows like it's such an important part of being a band is is being able to play live and like that helps so much with with helping your brand carry helping your band your brand use them yeah. interchangeably that's a bit weird um but helping that helping that carry like we, we had people come and see us on the sounds of carnage tour um uh in 2019 who came out again to see us on the faces of death tour in 2022 um and you know they'd have probably gone to that gig anyway <laughs> because the bands we were playing with they're absolutely enormous and you know amazing and stuff but but yeah, we, we're developing these pockets of fans throughout Europe. Every single time we do another European show, you know, you're building that and building that. And that is the most organic, authentic way of, of building that following. Like there's some cities in the UK that we end up playing more that like we're, we're all based around sort of like the, the southeast, you know, London, Surrey, Sussex and Hertfordshire for some reason. Um, or Bedfordshire. Oh, I don't even know where he lives. Um, Dylan. Um, but yeah, we're, we're down in the southeast. But we've since since the pandemic we've played more manchester shows than london shows in fact we we must have played at least three or four times more manchester shows than than london shows because we've developed that little following up there every time we play there it kind of pops off and grows a little bit more but then there's some places where we played before the pandemic that we haven't really played that much since it doesn't really fly as well there but you know you've got these little pockets and that's that's true organic growth it's yeah. it's being there i think it's being there in person playing the music you know, they'll, they'll buy a T-shirt the first time. They'll come to the next show, and 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 having that personal relationship with the fans and seeing them, literally in person. That's yeah. that's that's all. That's organic growth. Yeah, yeah, completely. Awesome. We got right into that, didn't we? Jesus. Um, yeah. <laughs> so next question I'm going to ask, which I think is question three. No, I'm joking. Um, secondary function within your band, because nowadays everyone has to do more than one thing. 
the the days of Axl Rose just writing lyrics or just performing live are long gone. Um, I'm not saying that singers don't, you know, pull a diva and say, oh, I'm not carrying any equipment because it might hurt my throat. You know what that's like. You've been around the block a couple of times, guys. Um, so what's your secondary function within the band? Is it socials, marketing, booking gigs, writing music, et cetera, et cetera? What do you reckon? Uh, I, I'm kind of like the 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 guy that does everything. <laughs> uh, I think that's safe to say, isn't it? Not not saying that I, I do everything I, and nobody does anything else. I mean, like... I, I think the de facto band management, I think, is the, is the way of looking at it. And and yeah. I think me, me and Charlie both do do some band management stuff. But when I say we both do it, I think we're like 90% Charlie, 10% me, um, like band management wise. But that, that that's that's everything like like the majority of our emails. It's, it's Charlie who does that sort of stuff. You know, Charlie, Charlie does does a lot of the writing. Yeah, you, you're basically just like. Yeah, you, you do you do everything for us pretty much <laughs> pretty and it, but yeah that's that's the thing with harbinger like it's uh i think i kind of took over a lot of the like the main management stuff and i i do like the mark like the digital marketing and the social media as well um not just me though i'm always like if i can get more more people involved or like help with that then every like whoever's free helps um you definitely yeah. own you definitely own that piece that digital marketing piece we've we've spoken about some other bits and pieces recently about in terms of like the visuals and 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 um in terms of like our live show and and, and that visual concept and, and dylan's going to run forward with that sort of stuff in terms of like you know lighting design and you know we'll go too much into it now but like the, that visual element of the live shows that's that's a dylan thing and then graphics is something that i end up end up this is something that i do i do quite a lot because i have used photoshop before um <laughs> um and also along with that like i i quite like i quite like driving so whenever we're doing a big thing where we're hiring a van and going and and, and doing some driving i really enjoy doing that stuff so i become the de facto driver there um yeah we, we will take on little little bit roles but charlie's the one that kind of holds it together and owns that central management function without sounding too much like a consultant i know what you mean but yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, like uh, when when I first joined the band, it was a lot of it was Ben and 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 Chris, and um, I think then I I sort of like you know being a new member of the band, you don't want to sort of try and take over too much because you know people might be working a certain way and and start off with you've got to kind of prove yourself as well that. The, this the band members can trust you and then also you know you've you've actually got a leg to stand on with what you're saying so you know like i think i w i would just like offer some things that i would learn i'd learned from previous bands and, and and stuff like that and then i think it just became it was it's only sort of more recently like over the last probably like two years that that I've sort of gone all in with like the the central management of the band um, just to kind of like make sure that we're always moving forward. And um, I think that's probably because I've got to a point with my own business where like it's paying the bills. So like, I'm not as stressed about, you know, like I, I think 
I'm think I'm got to the point where like I'm very passionate about the band and where I want it to be. The and I've got the the headspace and the time now to to be like, okay, you know, let's let's try and go because that's very much how I grew my business. Like I I went headfirst into it and I was so passionate about growing it and like and it's not just the business side, like the reason why I'm a guitar teacher is because I found out that I was passionate about being about teaching, you know, guitar. So um yeah, like it it's uh I, who knows, like maybe in years to come, I'll step down a bit and somebody else will take over or like, you know, we'll get, we'll have an actual independent manager that's like the sixth band member. Um, but like, I can kind of personally, I feel like I could see myself in the future, the future of if we did have like a band manager, like I reckon I'd end up co-managing with them. Mm depends how it is like there's a lot of trust to like push out just like the guys had to trust me to be able to trust me now to take take the reins here like there'd be a lot of trust that we'd need in a band manager to sort of be like yeah we trust you with taking over i'm just the guitarist now you know Uh, yeah yeah when you when you introduce more people you're you're giving other people a cut of 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 what of like of, of the money side of things as well and that, that that's it like that those extra services always come at a cost and you know we try and we try and keep our, our costs down so that we can you know repay repay our investors shall we say in terms of like for, for our recording costs and all, all those bits and pieces so like yeah as, as soon as you're cutting in another person 15 20 percent on something you know that's that's not to be sniffed at that's a lot of that's 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 a lot of money in it you know, it means that it takes longer to, to recoup these things. So, so, yeah. I'm looking at um, potentially putting AVP on a podcast distribution platform, but I'm quite... Fuck it, I'll say it. I'm a control freak. I like to have everything mine. I uh, share part of this air quotes business, which I'm kind of looking at this now as a business because I'm uploading every week. Um, with my editor John, we're looking at doing a 70-30 split, so he has creative control on the YouTube side I have control everything else, um, and I'm a bit of a go-getter the idea of me getting a manager at this point in time absolutely terrifies me, because I would lose the agility that I think I've got doing this Um, the idea of me signing over my Instagram account to someone that I'm potentially not even going to meet in the real world scares the hell out of me but they're the things you'd lose but what what would you what would you want to gain out of it like yeah. what what would you actually want a manager to to, to do uh, if, if you're yeah, sorry scale up get more listens get more downloads um just and, it, and, it, and if that if that's something that you want to take on yourself yeah. you, you feel like you could take on yourself yeah then there's no point in getting somebody in to do it if you if you've got yeah. you know passion and you've got like the 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 sort of ability to do it and the proficiency to to to, to crack on with it, then there's no point in bringing somebody in just because yeah. most people go for a podcast network, most people go for a YouTube network. You've got to think about like the actual implications of it for you, and think about how much you actually want it, so that you can start to partition your time out and, and give everything yeah. the, the attention that it deserves. I think some of the views recently on this have gone so much that I potentially could even quit my job if i had a monetizable youtube channel um 
but you've just got to keep going. Um, and until you see that skew in figures where, say, I earn £2,500 a month, I don't. Um, if you don't see that on the other side of the back end of the hobby, then you're not ready to jump on one off one carriage of a train onto another. So like, if you guys wanted to do Harbinger 100% all-in, full-time, Charlie quits his guitar tuition job, I'm not saying you should, just thinking out loud, um, then it would be a lot, wouldn't it? You know, you'd have to upheave your entire life and you'd have to potentially let some students down. And, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's a lot of thinking and a lot of uh, contemplating and a lot of self-doubt as well, I find. When I was in bands, I was very... Um, is this what I want to do? Is this the music that I want to 100% commit to? You know, I've I've been able to play classic rock, really fast-paced, like, new metal, um, sludgy southern metal, bit of Griever, if you remember them. I was in Griever for six months. Yeah, I remember them. I didn't really know why. I think they wanted me for my networking abilities more than my bass playing abilities. But... Clever guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just thinking out loud. But yeah, it's all good. Any more on that, or should we should we move on? Uh, yeah, happy happy to move on. Um, I think just one thing about like um, <clears throat> going, kind of going all in when it comes to to something. Um, like the re, the funny thing is the the reason why I started getting into guitar tuition was so that I could pay the bills basically so i could fund my passion of wanting to be in a an originals band and turn that into something one day but now i see that they go like like as i've grown it they go they can they can go alongside each other okay like when i go on tour yeah like you know students aren't going to get lessons but i found ways around that like students that really want it can buy video lessons off me and stuff like that and i do like little packages and, and stuff um so you know it's uh for me like the way i see it is like music is the thing that i'm 100 percent in into yeah you know so it's um yeah well you know, are you going to say something chris yeah I, I was just going to say like you you can design your work life to go hand in hand with with the music life as well if, if, if music isn't your full-time job like, like i i work as a, as a as a human resources consultant that sounds ridiculous, right? But like, I've got a good enough relationship with, with with the firm that I work for that they know that you know a couple of times a year I'm going to have some pretty big time off to go and do some cool stuff. You know, it's about having those open, honest conversations from an early stage, yeah. really, really clearly communicating that these are you know these are your passions in life, these are the constraints you've got, and um, and yeah, you know, if if the firm didn't back me with that, I'd probably you know, I'd probably look for a different firm to work for, but I'm lucky enough, lucky enough that I've set that groundwork. You know, the first one that I asked for wasn't a big tour. It was, you know, like, a, you know, a couple of days here and there. Then I asked, oh, would I be able to work whilst I'm away so I could save some of the holiday? Because this is what we got going on in the future. Knowing stuff ahead of time is really useful to build those conversations. So, so that nothing's a, b a huge surprise, just have, having everything up front um, and, and not being too abrasive about it and just being open to, to suggestions. Like I did one, a headline tour. I, I worked nine to five every day whilst we were on that tour yeah. so that I would have the amount of, I'd have the leave, like the, the annual leave so that I could do the November tour because we knew we had that coming up. 
Um, otherwise, I'd have run out of annual leave and I'd have had to take some more unpaid leave in November. Unpaid leave means I don't get any money, which means that, you know, the tour is going to be that I'm not going to be able to go on the tour. It all it all affects each other. And as, as we used to is have a manager called, called, called Dean. And one thing he said that really, really stuck with me is, you know, work is always going to come first because without work, you don't have money. And that means that the band can't do what it needs to do. So true. It's so true. And, and they don't have to be mutually exclusive. They can work together. Like Charlie's got his his thing and you, you've got your redundancy type thing where, you know, we go on tour and you, you, your students can still continue learning and you can you know still get that income income stream there. I, I've got luckily enough annual leave that I can cover most tours. And then they know that I if I want to take a bit more leave, I can, I can do that unpaid. Like the November tour, I took a few days unpaid, but it was only about a week's worth of pay that I missed out on. Yeah. Um, it's all about how you design it and about how you have those conversations in like an open and honest way. Yeah, yeah. Thought of the uh, episode title for this is "Work Smarter, Not Harder" with Harbinger. <laughs> yeah, it's a good idea, especially like the whole catalogue of lessons and stuff. That's something that I wanted to do for a while within IT because I've been doing IT for fifteen years, and if I'm not in a building showing someone how to repair their Office three six five installation, then I can put a private video up on YouTube and they can click that link and remind themselves how to do it. Um, so yeah, I, I feel that. Uh, it's nice to meet a bassist with a brain. <laughs> Say, he can fucking drive, he can Photoshop, he can talk. Love it. There we go. So awesome. Right. So <laughs> a little bit of a fanboy moment. Acknowledgements from your heroes, as you've mentioned, you've toured quite extensively, you've played a hell of a lot of shows. Has there ever been a point in your career where you've received a DM from someone or you've just had a verbal conversation with someone that you've been supporting that's made you go, actually, I think we've got something here? Hmm. Like, related to related to Harbinger, I'm not. I've got I've got one that springs to mind. Charlie, have you have you got one? Um, I would definitely say that just the like the 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 tour that we did before Christmas, like the Faces of Death tour, we were the opening band, and like the other bands on it were In Theory, uh, Legion, Fallujah, and Rivers and Nile, and all of those bands are super popular and shit hot. You know, they were all amazing musicians and it was like the best experience for us. Like the, the tour was more than perfect. Like it, it like everything ran on time. Everybody was super like on it and professional and just, but the, the big thing was, is that they just like welcomed us in to the family. Like all those guys had toured with each other for, for years. Like they, they've played shows together and stuff and to like let outsiders in, that they've just met and then made us feel part of the family kind of definitely made me feel like that we must have something here. Like, okay, you know, we're, I think that we're all easy to get on with and like, we're good, but you know, it, I think it also shows that, you know, our work ethic, like, and also make it, making sure that we're acting professional, but also, um, and our music, you know, and our live show, I feel like that was to me anyway, that was kind of like a helped reinforce that we've definitely got something here and we should keep on, keep on pushing to forward with it. Yeah. Um, a, a little bit more on that. Like we, just to show how it could have been quite a separate thing. 
uh, with us and the rest of the tour package. They were, you know, they, they were all in a nightliner together, all in a big double decker tour bus. And we're the opening band and we're following in a Mercedes Sprinter that we borrowed off some friends of ours. You know, they've got, we've got six bunks in the back and it's literally a Sprinter. You know, there's no insulation in there. And we're in November driving through Poland, like, it's, like it, it, or, or like, yeah, wherever, Hungary and uh, Czech Republic. And, you know, it's, it's through Switzerland as well. We're sleeping in the mountains. It's absolutely crazy. So, um, so yeah, there, there could have been such an easy division there. You know, they could have been like, these guys are in the in the van. They're nothing to do with us. But literally from the first show, the tour manager was like, this is Harbinger. They're following in a van, make them feel welcome sort of thing. And when we needed help with like load-ins of bits and pieces like that, he would just like say the venue staff weren't being particularly helpful with us because we were in a different vehicle. They'd, um, yeah, he, he just put a message out to the Facebook group with everybody in. And then we'd literally have, you know, 10 pairs of hands coming to help Harbinger with our opening band van just to load equipment in or load equipment out and just be helpful. It was it was such a lovely tour like that. Um, and like when Fallujah, Rivers of Nile, like the, the, the Legion, those big bands are, are live streaming bits of our set on their personal on their personal Instagrams, personal Facebooks and on the band ones. That's when you feel like you've really been doing it well. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. I'm just going to go to a quick break just because I need to put an ad read in and I really badly need the toilet. No problem, man. <laughs> First time ever. I'm not Joe Rogan, guys, all right? I'm not going to do three hours sat down. I'm going to be five minutes. I'll be straight back, all right? No problems, mate. No worries, mate. And we're back. So, nice bit of acknowledgement. So It's good to be acknowledged. I've had a couple of uh, big moments on the podcast where uh, I think Kevin Hart shared one of my posts which was a bit mental um, and naturally I completely freaked the fuck out um, just little things like that is quite nice um, having Ashens if you know him from YouTube he came on the podcast quite early on he's got like 2 million subscribers on YouTube and he reviews oh, like wow. old land toys and like knock off Avengers action figures and stuff so yeah, it's not just music here, guys. So uh, there we go. So right, <sighs> stupid question. A lot of these are quite stupid, actually. We'll just do stupid questions. If you could take one item away from a house to massively inconvenience someone, what item would you take and why? <laughs> uh, the first thing that popped up in my mind, and it's probably the best thing to say if it's the first thing you pop up and you pops up in your mind is the uh the toilet which is the whole thing yeah the whole toilet <laughs> just <Nice>. like but... <laughs> sorry was was the question minor inconvenience no we'll do that in a bit this one's just uh... like uh so my one would be the bath plug because hmm. what are you gonna do you know why, why would why would you do that? Like I know I haven't explained why I would do that, but just to be annoying. Yeah, I kind of. I just thought it was that was just the reason why I said toilets because that popped in my head and I thought it was fu like a funny thought. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. I'm I'm thinking like the 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 if it yeah the front door key just the key to the front door like you ain't leaving that house yeah. until you get that sorted. You're not getting in. <laughs> Or you're not getting in, depending where the, where the key gets lost. Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, why not? <laughs> that. That's spoons. 
Which you want all of the spoons. Yeah, you want all, all the all the teaspoons, so like nobody can make yeah, it. Yeah. They have to make a cup of tea or coffee with like a dessert spoon, like a ladle. <laughs> yeah. Get the the bigger brother of the spoon. That would yeah. that would annoy a British person, wouldn't it? You know, they have to eat like a bowl of soup with a loaf of bread and just slowly like suck it up. Oh god! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you just drink it, I suppose, if you're an animal. But yeah, I like that question. I'm going to leave that in. Um, next question is, can you remember the first ever phone that you had and the first ever ringtone? Yep. Nokia 3310. Oh, yeah. And I can't remember the name of the ringtone. Oh, I can. Hurdy-gurdy. That was it. All right. Okay. Yeah, my, mine was the same phone. Um, yeah, I can't remember, but do you remember when you could, like, program your own ringtone on it i did this yes yeah yeah so straight away i was like how can i have like a metallic or metallic or it's probably lincoln park song at that point like what lincoln park song (laughs) and i'm pretty sure i managed to program like in the end so you just got like you know i I did the same thing with um some 41 fat lip right and i did it so well (laughs) that i showed i showed all of my friends at school and they were convinced that i bought it and I was like, no, I made it. They're like, bullshit, absolutely not. And I'm like, but, but, but it was like two and a half hours of my evening yesterday, like programming this. Like, nah, absolute bullshit. Sorry, I didn't know if you can swear ne- on this. Next Harbinger record, we need to start a song with like a, a like a riff that's uh, Nokia 3310 ringtone. Or, it... or we get some Nokia 3310s and we put the our, our existing Harbinger songs on there and then upload them to, to YouTube for ultimate vir- virality. That's it, and nostalgia. <laughs> you can make some Harbinger phones that come preloaded with your songs as ringtones. Oh, mate, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past us. We're always thinking about like what new, mer- what crazy merch we can do. I just want a, I just want a plushie of me, like just a, a me plushie. Yeah. That would be the coolest thing ever. <laughs> Love that. Make it happen. Make it happen. If Kiss can make. That pregnancy tests and anything's fair game right so yes man. Awesome. minor inconveniences so one thing that's currently annoying you i've got one if you want some inspiration this seems to happen exclusively at little and aldi people that make their own fucking car parking spaces where they just decide at the end of a bank of cars that they're just going to plop themselves at the end where there's no lines and you're probably being a danger to everyone around you. Okay. The, the, the only one that really springs to mind is there's, oh God, this is so boring. I don't even know if this is worth, a, for the, worth it for the podcast, but I, 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 live, I live near a whole load of farmer's fields, right? And there's a gate that's owned by Network Rail because I've checked that it's owned by Network <laughs> Rail. Right? It's not owned by the farmer. It's not owned by the Church of England who owned the, the land around it because I've, I've checked okay. because this has pissed me off. Um, so it's one of those gates and usually it'd be spring loaded so that when you walk across, you're walking across a train line, right? So that when you go through it, it closes behind you. Happy days. Somebody has broken the springs. So what the, what the network rail decided to do to fix it was to put a bike chain on it, like an actual like big bike chain over it. So then a whole load of the old deers from who, who were out walking their dogs or going for runs and stuff, they weren't able to pick pick up this bike lock because it was so heavy they couldn't get through. It's quite dangerous. So they replaced it with a really thin bit of string, right? It's the other end of the scale. 
and it doesn't swing back automatically and the, the gate is ajar and it means that people can't let their dogs off in the field and I'm at, every time I see that gate not closed I get like like pointlessly frustrated it makes me absolutely seethe um yeah that's the sort of that's the sort of life I lead in rural west sussex yeah, man, that really really frustrates me that's definitely <laughs> worth mentioning that's a good one it's very specific as well with that <laughs> said clarkson's farm season two can't wait can't wait came out yesterday right <laughs> i think so i need to check it out but that would be a nice plug if uh jeremy clarkson is listening to this then sh- shoot me a big message. harbinger fan Love, loves death metal yep. yeah yeah what about you charlie oh i, d- I don't know like the the first thing that popped into my head was um something to do with yesterday before our rehearsal and that's the fact that i've got to get our 18u rack unit into my hyundai i20 (laughs) so that's definitely a minor inconvenience for me every time my every time we rehearse um and it really i was really tired yesterday i didn't sleep that well saturday night just had a had a one of those nights and uh, so, like, I got so infuriated, like, like slammed my car doors and stuff, <laughs> like when I put it in, because like I hurt my hand a little bit. Um, so that's kind of like it's one of those silly things where it's, as soon as I calmed down, I was like, well, there's probably something I can do about this, <laughs> you know, because it's it's only affecting me really, you know. So so Charlie turned up to rehearsal, told me this story, and he was like, I think I might have to get like a van or something. He's already coming up with the solutions to it. Nice. But but one thing to note is Charlie is like unbelievable. Charlie and Joel, actually, our drummer, are unbelievable at Tetris, like Tetrising things into vehicles. Yeah. Like yeah. this 18, is it 18 you? That, that big rack that we've got with all of our yeah. Kit in. we call it the mothership the the, the 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 meme that springs to mind is you know there's that massive like buff guy uh and then he's got his arm around that tiny tiny little lady like that that is the meme that is 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 related to uh how charlie what charlie can do with an 18 u rack and a tiny eye a uh, hyundai eye whatever it is like <laughs> somehow it fits in there don't understand <laughs> if you believe you can do it okay yeah. this one could fall flat it's not really a silly question, but it's it's quite a good question in group settings because I usually interview people one to one. Do either of you believe in the paranormal? And if you do, do you have any stories? Absolutely fucking not. Do you know yeah, what? That's, that's it. That's it. No, do you know what's quite funny? Like when I saw I saw uh, when you sent the screenshots of the questions, I saw this, and it made me think. Like uh, during our September tour. For some reason, like uh, me, Ben, our other guitarist, and uh, Jasper, our merch manager, was we got into a really deep like conversation about uh, ghost stories, yeah. and we each told like a, a story where we we felt like we'd encountered a ghost like in in the past, and we were like so invested in it. I was probably the only sober one in the conversation, but still, I was like really. <laughs> invested in it um so yeah like uh j- I, I i i just remember like uh we a bunch of my mates when we were teenagers like we camped in like an abandoned uh like it was this area that used to be like a holiday oh yeah holiday site in the isle of man had like an abandoned pool and abandoned building and stuff like that and we started like uh some skateboarders had like concreted some of the pools so we could like skate yeah. in it so we like 
bunch of us would just always go down there we camp like we drink and stuff like that and there was just like this one night where like a lot of weird things happened that was kind of i still don't i still can't explain the whole yeah. thing like i can't explain why those weird things happened yeah we were all fine but it was absolutely it was so scary at the time like i remember when i was telling the story to the other guys in the van it actually gave me chills talking about it yeah yeah have you got any examples can you elaborate on one of them so there was like we'd um we'd all gone to bed like after you know drinking and smoking loads and and uh so well that that could be the logical thing too much weed but you know the the first thing was this is that multiple people in different tents said that they could hear a sniffing around the tent so i'm getting chills thinking about it now yeah, so man. we, we uh, they're sniffing around the tent and we were like shit the the police are here they got the sniffer dogs and everything everybody get like well we, i get out of my tent with other people and and then other people are getting out of their tents as well and they were like could you hear that and we we're like yeah what the hell was it don't see anything at all we're like okay that's weird as hell i swear that we could we could hear a dog and then the the next thing the next thing is is that like one of the people we were with went to go to the toilet and they went into like the abandoned building and they came out like running out and like were really creeped out and stuff like that and uh, they said that like you know somebody touched their shoulder whilst they were we you know instantly we thought you're just trying to creep us out like especially after that uh, so but we all went in to check and like uh we there there was about five of us and we all swear that we saw this like big silhouette standing in the doorway like leaning there like kind of like a hazy white silhouette and yeah i'm getting i'm getting chills now it was like proper proper scary we ran out and we were just like for the rest of the until it was light we were all like there just like sort of yeah yeah ready for like ready for anything basically but but yeah. leading up to all that like we were f at first led up to like like our friend going to the toilet like we were convinced that like the police were around and they were going to come and like you know and stuff like that so it's probably it's probably just weed and paranoia to start <laughs> but you know it was uh certainly like a weird yeah yeah very weird uh... yeah go for it so my friend had a mother who was quite sort of tarot card energy crystal. It's usually a red flag, guys. Don't get into a relationship with those people. Absolute fruit loop by the sounds of it. No, I'm joking. However, <laughs> this scared the shit out of me, and I 100% will have goosebumps by the end of this story. So this person lived on a top-story flat in Bournemouth, um, they wanted to do a Ouija board, but they would only do Ouija boards with guides, which are like spirit people that are like good spirits. And they help you along the journey because when you open a Ouija board, you essentially open an open door and anything can come in. So you start asking the Ouija board questions. You put like a pinky finger on the plantif, which is part of the Ouija board. And the plantif moves and forms words says yes, no, goodbye, numbers, etc., etc. And this Ouija board was constantly spelling out 666, as in S-I-X, 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 which I thought, you know, is a bit of a weird thing considering there is a number six on the board. 
but they were saying, um, you know, can you say your name? Because that's usually one of like the first opening questions on a Ouija board. And this plaintiff was going absolutely mental. And I have actually done a Ouija board in the past. And there's a it's quite hard to explain. Like it looks like if you were to watch a video on it, it looks like you're just moving it across the board, but you're literally you've got so little resistance and force on the plaintiff that I think part of it is like you and the spirit create enough energy that the thing moves across the board. It's all a bit, you know, the jury's out on if that's real or not. Um, but something that was also on the board was a tumbler, a glass tumbler. And we don't really know why it was there. So we said goodbye to this thing, whatever it was, spelling S-I-X, S-I-X, S-I-X. As soon as we said goodbye to it, we forced the plaintiff to the goodbye, which you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to peacefully leave rather than shutting the door on it. This glass... Um, Fucking, I've got chills. This glass fills with smoke. Like, actually fills with smoke. And it's like a white sort of mist. So my friend freaks the fuck out, launches this glass tumbler from a top story flat to the bottom of the ground, and it bounces Wow. So, yeah, the Candyman's real, guys. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there we go. I'm glad I got that on record because it's been two Excellent. and a half years without me saying that. So, nice. take what you will, believe what you will, but I've got goosebumps. So, yeah, have it. You told it well, man. I got goosebumps too. I'm not very good at telling stories, so thanks for uh, the opportunity. <laughs> we're, we're just happy to have you, mate. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I'm glad to come on to your podcast, yeah. <laughs> Plans for the future. What's Harbinger up to in the next sort of six to 12 months? Anything you want to plug, the floor is yours, and I won't interrupt. When's, uh, when's this one going out? I will put this up as audio on Thursday this week. Cool. Probably so YouTube up in a couple of weeks. So we're in Ireland at the moment. Um, yeah, we're 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 over in Belfast today, and uh, we're on 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 a island tour. So we played Manchester last night. It'll be, um, and yeah, we've got Manchester on the way out there because it makes sense because of ferries and stuff. But we've got Belfast, Limerick, Cork, Dublin. Um, just yeah, heading out there to 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 see some of the people who we met when we were out there with Decapitated. Um, got on with the promoters really well, and um, yeah, they're they're putting us on for a few shows. Um, out there and then and then for the rest of the year it's um yeah well, well i think we're into the writing phase we we, we want to obviously do some some shows and some touring and stuff but i think the, the main focus for this year is, is is putting some more music together and um yeah just sort of building up towards the next release be that you know a series of singles um or or an album or whatever that looks like um yeah that's that's, that's, that's pretty much it i think yeah yeah that's basically it yeah chris said everything you know main mainly a writing year after the island tour and and recording you know i think our plan is to like try and get at least like a single out you know around the end of summer or something we'll we'll just see how it goes and whether whether we get some tours booked in and stuff so so if people want to book harbinger for a show what's the process uh just shoot us a an email 
which is harbingeruktm at gmail.com. Um, you can also see, go to our website, harbingerriffs.com. Um, <clears throat> we are like working with a booking agent, but that's can't disclose anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, like we're just the best way to do that is to, to email us and then that's, that's the, that initiates the, the procedure. <laughs> Essentially what you're doing by email and Harbinger is emailing Charlie, um, our business yeah. manager who will take care of all that stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Just, 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 just shoot us an email. Um, we're, we're, we're open to all sorts of stuff. We've, um, yeah, we've just been booked for a, for a wedding. That's, that's going to be interesting. That's, that's at some point this year. I'm not going to give too many details about that one out, but, um, I never thought I'd be doing that in a, in a, in a heavy metal band, but, that that that'll be really cool. Um, got a couple of festival appearances, but nothing, nothing like, you know, groundbreaking sort of world-ending crazy festivals. But it's um sort of like your your independent day fests and independent sort of weekenders and stuff. Um, yeah, some some bits and bobs. But um, yeah, this year last last year was about a lot of live. We did we did a few tours last year, and this year's more more, you know, get get getting the next lot of uh, music together. However that, whatever that looks like, you know. Yeah, of yeah. And you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter. Yeah, we're not not really that active on Twitter. We have it. Um we're not active at all really. Um but yeah, like in our main main ones are Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. Um just and the mailing list. And the mailing list, yeah. Join the Rift Squad. That's our uh, fan club and mailing list. Um like uh yeah all of our handles are harbinger riffs um and uh yeah like if the sort of thing with the mailing list is that you know i send out a mail every week really and it's it's either about like shows it's about like merch um like uh if we have any discounts or like exclusive offers and stuff like that or just um something that we want to start doing as well is that people that are in the in the riff squad like when we have new content which we will do this year like uh when we're writing and recording stuff actually give them ex an exclusive look a bit more than than people have previously been able to see basically a free patreon essentially it's a free patreon slash only fans sort of thing just yeah not like that not like that sort of only fans um but yeah it's uh that that'll that already help. Like as, as as that grows, that helps us grow, and it gets you sort of direct customer, direct to artist content. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Who knows? Maybe if uh, maybe we'll end up having something like Patreon where people can either sign up for a free one or they can sign up for different tiers where they get more exclusive stuff. But you know, that's that's not there yet, and uh, it's also something that's just an idea of mine for the future. Nice. It's good to have ideas. It's good to mobilize on them. Isn't it weird how OnlyFans is like instantly sexual? It's really bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, did yeah, you know it wasn't originally made? It wasn't yeah. originally made for that purpose, was it? Yeah. I think um, the sex workers kind of took over, and then OnlyFans said they were going to ban them, and then they realized that they would lose like six billion dollars in revenue, and thought yeah. actually we quite like having a platform. So yeah. if people want to upload that, then who the hell are we to self-regulate, you know? 
but yeah, there we go. So um, last question I was going to ask, uh, we've talked about socials, talked about gigs. I think that's it. Are there any shout outs you want to give any gear, any endorsements, any other bands that you want to mention? Well, the, the first one that springs to mind is if anybody wants to endorse us for anything or give us any sorts of sponsorships, uh, yeah, get 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 in the get in the inbox um, and make it more convincing than those boilerplate temp boilerplate template sort of things that that drop in drop in quite regularly. Um, yeah, we, we, we're we're not too tied to like you know you know you see some bands that have got sort of endorsements at like the yin yang. Um, we 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 actually work with quite quite a limited number of, of of different brands for stuff so um both ben and charlie have got uh, an endorsement well an artist endorsement with um with carillion guitars um yeah i don't know i don't know if you want to talk talk about them a little yeah, bit charlie. Just, like definitely promote carillion guitars like good became good friends with chris like the the owner of carillion guitars and um and also um tom at windspear um who he makes strings and plectrums and stuff like that oh, yeah. um they've been really supportive with the band and, and make amazing like guitars and strings um but yeah like it's kind of it's one of those things where it's just like a they've they they know that we're going to be using their products out on the road and we love their products so it's it's not it's not necessarily that we're tied and contracted to it but definitely yeah, yeah. definitely give them a shout out because they are I've got three Carillions surrounding me right here. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic, awesome. Anything else at all? Um, I think that's. I'm. Um, I think I'm all good. That's cool. It. I'll quickly give my sponsors a shout out. So we've got Two Lasses Spirits, the best spice rum you'll have in the UK. Fact, all your money back. Actually, do you know what? I'll fucking pay you if you can find a smoother spiced rum. Doesn't <laughs> exist. Uh, sets of sun cream as well. Obviously, it's only February, but towards you know a couple of months, everyone's going to need sun cream. There's a big push at the moment as well on um, VAT registered sun cream. So a lot of people believe that they shouldn't have to pay VAT for sun cream because it's a essential product, you know. Um, so check them out at setsurf.com. Use the code twenty for twenty percent off. And I've just given away a bottle of vodka through shanty spirit for valentine's day um so check them out at www.shantyspirit.com use the code bedlam discount for 10 percent off your order and also with two lasses spirits is two lasses spirits.co.uk use bedlam discount again and yeah this has been cool man so uh yeah thanks for hanging out with me guys and uh chilling and shooting the shit and talking about the industry and not slagging off Spotify because I don't really give a shit to be honest. So if you want to back yeah. them up, then you back them up. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But yeah, this has been cool. So thank you so much for listening, watching, viewing, and subscribing. Um, sorry if I've been speaking a lot. It is this shit that's absolutely caused this to happen. And we are now one hour and 48 minutes in. So I'm going to go and have a shower and think about what I've done. So cheers for watching, guys, and to speak to you all soon. Two Lasses Spirits Rum. www.twolassespirits.co.uk Use code BEDLAMUK for 10% off at checkout. Nicest rum I've had. I've got a bottle right here with me. Yorkshire Spiced Rum. They also do chocolate orange rum so uh check them out
www.2thatsofspirits.co.uk and let them know I sent you using code BEDLAMUK. Drink responsibly, 18 plus. Bye-bye.